This is the Customer Acquisition Show, the podcast that helps you turn complete strangers into repeat customers and grow your business. I always start as an unaware launch for me, but I can be course corrected and walked off the ledge there. But just walk me through your philosophy of starting at the problem aware versus unaware. So there are two concepts, right? There's the Eugene Schwartz levels of awareness, and there is the levels of traffic that we have at tier 11, right? And to me, they are quite similar, but they have points on which they are quite different. So when we say level one traffic, this is a person that can be problem aware or solution aware or unaware. That's right. You know, like they are problem aware, but we call them a level one because we have never advertised to these people before. They have never engaged with us. So to us, they are level one traffic, but in the market they're in, they're not level one traffic. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean but by doing, like when I write my copy, I write it to problem aware first, then I do the other ones. I'm not saying do not focus on the other segments. You absolutely should for the people watching us. Like you absolutely should write to all the segments. But the biggest segment, in my opinion and in my experience, that will give you the biggest scale is the people who are problem aware. That's where you will find most of the people. When you go look, like if you look at search volume for keywords on Google, you will notice that people who are looking for keywords that are problem-oriented is way bigger than people who are looking for the solution for that problem. So let's push back a little bit, okay? So (laughs) Len Swayze will agree with you completely, right? There's no such thing as a problem unaware client. We are just too inundated with information nowadays to be unaware, right? But you've also admitted that the greatest copywriting force is story-based. And story-based is almost exclusively level one. So walk me through how your story-based email or uh, Facebook copy isn't also deeply unaware, right? Because you're using a story to generate longer copy to persuade those who are probably unaware of your solution They may be problem aware to your point, right? And they may even be solution aware, but do you dare assume that they know anything about you? And do you not assume that they're level one to us for sure, right? Oh, they don't. I know they don't. But at that point in the funnel, people do not care about me, my story, my offer, whatever. They just will resonate with something that actually resonates with them because I'm talking about a pain point that they have, a desire that they have, et cetera, through my story, right? So at that point in the funnel, they do not care. And I know that they do not care, right? When we say unaware, like if we're referring to Eugene Schwartz again, they're unaware of nothing, unaware of solution, unaware of problem. They're completely unaware, right? Yep. Unaware for us, at least at tier 11, level one, as I said, is people who we have not advertised to, which means in Facebook, you can exclude people and they're level one, you're excluding your past customers, etc. So these are truly people who have never seen your message. They know nothing about you, etc. So, yeah, I'm in the camp with Yusuf and Lynn where in the world that we live in, especially on Facebook, people are not unaware I mean, most likely they will have seen something else, reading a blog post or anything else that's made them aware of the problem. And I think that story copy does work at the problem aware level. I mean, that you're really creating copy that they can empathize with, right? I have a problem. This story has a problem. Hopefully somebody has a solution. 
goes right back to my argument earlier that even at levels two, three, and four at times, people will forget your story and therefore story works. That's just the point, right? But let's now talk about the greatest mover and all of direct response, and that is the cold traffic. That is the people that don't know anything about you. If you can tap into cold traffic, you can write your own ticket, right? Then if that's the case, if that holds, that premise holds, then why ignore level one in your copy? I think we're mixing things up a little bit here. Like if we're talking about awareness levels, I would say cold traffic is really anything that's not product aware, right? Because they don't know you. So this is the problem with, and this is something that Ralph Burns and I have talked about at length at times, and that is Eugene Schwartz's five levels of awareness. They only fit nicely in their own box on paper. But in real life, they're just intermeshed, right? And they'll move in and out of awareness states. And they just do not fit nicely as we would like them to fit. That just to say that humans are incredibly complex and emotional. And they're all over the board when it comes to uh, their awareness levels. I think that's something that's really, at least on the video side, you can take somebody through all these or hit all these different awareness levels in a single video. Same thing with the story, story copy, right? Like you don't do specifically problem aware copy it's like problem aware then you're making them solution aware and since it's a facebook ad and this is direct response and people have some expectation of a return on their ad dollar you're probably making them product aware as well and you want to most likely there's a cta that drives scarcity that's most aware so it's like really all these things go together in a single ad it's just how you think about that so let's move off of facebook for a moment and go to the most expensive way to advertise on the planet that's direct mail if you're going to do direct mail you are paying crazy amounts of money to run a test right so do you dare then go into that environment and not tell the whole story which means you have to assume even if you've got a past customer who has bought a supplement from you do you dare send that a new supplement package to that client with the assumption that they know anything about your company? Let me answer that for you. The answer is no. You start from level one cold traffic and you build them, you build their awareness throughout the copy. Now, it takes a lot of copy to do that, right? But to extrapolate that idea back into the world of Facebook, this is why for me, this is my philosophy. Everybody's cold. Everybody's level one. I don't care if you bought from me before. I assume that you don't know anything about me and therefore I must rebuild brand awareness and relationship to get you to make the next purchase. That's just where I operate from. Solution aware, product aware. And unaware. I have to assume you don't know anything about me. That's not what unaware is. Unaware is you don't know you have a problem. That's correct. And so you have to introduce a problem, right? So for example, I'm writing one for a company right now that we have that is in the copywriting space. So my very first sentence in my very first ad says, if somewhere deep inside, you'd like to fire your boss and stay home and write for a living, right? That's sentence one broken, right? So what's that do? That hints to a person, I would like to write for a living, right? That's the solution. It's also, they don't know they have a problem. They have an idea that they would like to change careers. And so we go and we stir up that hornet's nest, right? And so it doesn't fit nicely in anything, as we said before. But to go into a disruptive media like Facebook, we want to introduce to those guys, the reader, we're interrupting them, that there may be a way to start writing for a living. And they may have never even considered it. Right. Well, let's move on to a bit more of like the ins and outs of the day-to-day of writing 
for multiple clients, like how do you sustain that? And how do you get deep across multiple clients, write good persuasive copy, do it fast, and then iterate quickly? Yeah, well, to me, I try to write in the same day for the same client, right? So that's kind of the ideal scenario. But sometimes you cannot do that because tight deadlines and whatnot. So what I try to do is to write or put all the clients that are in the same niche in the same day. So let's say we have three supplements clients. I do them all in the same day, right? Especially if they have similar products or whatever, because, you know, it keeps you on your zone of genius instead of hopping from here to there. Like now you're writing about jewelry. Now you're selling coaching. Now you're talking about whatever. So it makes it a little bit hard. So that's how I keep it simple and easy for me. And how, because in my opinion, the biggest things that kill your productivity as a copywriter is to switch too often, like every two hours you write and say new on a new niche, new topic, and that kills your productivity, in my opinion. I think there is some scientific study about this. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like when you switch from thing to thing, it takes your brain 30 minutes or so to kind of readapt and get into the flow. So I try to keep all for one client one day. And when you have multiple clients, which I always do, I put all the clients of the same niche in the same day when it's possible. Sometimes it's not. So you have to kind of finish all the work for one specific client before moving to the next. So that way you can completely unplug your brain from that first client and focus on the next. You know, talk a little bit like your process, like prepping before copy. I mean, because writing is part of it as all of the copywriters I've ever talked to, like copywriting is 90% research, right? How do you prep for copywriting, even if you're batching it across multiple similar clients? Yeah, well, it depends. If it's an existing client and I'm already familiar with their market, their product, etc., like I go right at it. I take the best performing copy or whatever. We try to iterate from that. We test new angles. So there is not a lot of research, I would say, involved in writing for an existing account that I'm actively writing for. But if it's a new client, at Tier 11, we have the deep dive research right that we do when we onboard a client which as uh, its name says it's a really deep dive research where we uncover the pain points desires etc of the market which makes the job of the copywriter easier it makes the job of the creative team easier it makes everybody's work easier right so that's what i look at and i also like to look at what the competitive what the competition is doing and the ads library just to get some inspiration etc and yeah then you just start writing and in terms of process, as I said earlier, I start with the hooks, two, three, five, ten hooks, depends, right? And then I plug in the body copy and I tweak it a little bit because sometimes the transition from one hook to a body copy is fine, but for the next hook, it can be a little bit odd. So you need to tweak it a little bit to make it transition smoothly. Yeah, that's pretty much my process for writing ad copy. Make sure that your brand voice is what you think it is. That would be my challenge number one. But beyond that, if you have it dialed in, then you have to push that message as strongly as you can with whatever the product and offer you have. Yeah. I like to get in the super nitty gritty when it comes to voice. There's two factors at play, right? Again, the business owner, three factors, the business owner, the kind of message they want to convey, and then the customer. And one disconnect I see often is that especially in more like personality-led businesses, the business owner will have a specific VAK. And by VAK, you're like learning speaking style. So if you're visual, auditory, kinesthetic. 
And I've given this example before, we once had a coach, right? And this coach was so kinesthetic that she used almost no visual or auditory words. So it was feel empowered to build your business in a way that supports you and very kinesthetic language. The problem was, is, I think, and it was that way, most people are not kinesthetic. And if you only use that kind of language, it sounds good to you, right? See, I use sound. I'm more auditory. If you use language that, that, that feels good to you, it may not be resonating with your ideal audience because most people are mixed. Most people are more visual, got some auditory, pure kinesthetic people are actually more of a minority. And so if you're in your brand voice only using one or only using one that sounds really like you, you might actually be missing connecting with your ideal audience. Some, some buyers are very kinesthetic, construction workers, right? Probably going to be more visual kinesthetic as a rule. On the other hand, lawyers are probably going to be more visual, right? Because they're reading all the time and writing and looking at things. So we want, as a copywriter, I want to write things that do still sound like the brand and have consistency or sound like the guru, but I'm always keeping in mind that I still need to use phrasing and words that actually resonates with the mix, the audience mix. But the same thing goes to, are we doing a podcast or a video or an ebook? You really want to hit as many modalities as possible with everything you put out. So I think those are my biggest like takeaways for business owners because most people don't know, look for that. Can we dive a little bit deeper into VAK? I remember when I first learned about it and so that's VAK is what visual, auditory, kinesthetic, kinesthetic mm -hmm. being that touchy feely. That's how you experience the world. How do yeah. you, what are some of the, like the, the, what's some of the stuff you look for and what's some of the language that you would use in your copy for that? And you hit on it a little bit. But. It's actually the phrasing, right? So when you are, most people have, everybody has all of these modalities, right? And these are the same things like your learning style, right? How do you like to take in information? How do you like to convey information? And everybody's a little bit different. So this is how people think. It's how they're encoding information in their brain. And it's going to feel off when they don't see it that way. So what I look for are specific phrases. So again, let's say it's auditory. Does that resonate? Does it ring a bell? This may sound good. Does this sound good? If it's visual, it's going to be things like, can you see this? I'm going to paint a picture for you. Visualize. Let's see. What's the other one? And kinesthetic, it's this is the key. Open the door. Let's take a journey. So it's going to be kinesthetic. And there are neutral words. Discover, explore, imagine. I can't think of any others off the top of my head. And as copywriters, we really want to have a mix. Really good copywriters will employ a mix. And the same thing for stories. Erin, you might be able to talk about this. When we write stories, we want to employ all the senses, right? So a smell, a taste, a feeling, sounds, visuals, movement. It's the same thing, right? We want to make sure that people are engaged in all the senses and that we're not excluding anybody by focusing only on one. Yeah, so I guess to answer your question, Tom, phrasing. I'm looking at specific words and making sure that I'm aligning these things between the guru brand voice and the customer base. And Aaron, we, we can hit on storytelling now or later. It's on my list of topics. But I think I want to hit on one thing is how, like, how deep copywriters should be thinking about this. We talked about just this, just now, like the VAK phrasing. But right before that, it was emotive words and finding these emotions. Like, it's not 
just writing words on a page. It's like under deep mm-hmm. understanding and communicating that through words. And this, as a video guy myself, this all translates over to maybe because I'm a, a visual person, but like the video side, right? Like I can think of how to demonstrate things, like emotions, get, generate feelings, and also mm-hmm. using action or visuals and even sounds to really communicate a message through a video. All right, so it seems like we're progressing a little bit even though as much as you guys are fighting me towards the customer or the client side, right? <laughs> so brand, I know it's still, the, your brand isn't what you as the, the, the business want to say. It's what your people are saying about you. And so it's still important. But now let's get a little bit into the product and or service. How do you guys figure out what the actual best value proposition is? And what is the value proposition? Value proposition is the value that you bring to your prospect, right? In the simplest of terms. What is the value that you're bringing to the audience in exchange for money? And so your value proposition really needs to align with the beliefs and the desires of your customer. It all begins and ends, lives and breathes with the customer's wants, needs, and desires. But that said, sometimes the customer doesn't know what they want. Let's be honest. Ask anybody, what do you want in life? And it's hard for them to articulate. What is it that you don't want in your life? And now suddenly they can start clicking it off, right? Sometimes knowing what they don't want is really a good starting place and I would I would use Chat GPT for that research right there out of the gate. How would you go about using Chat GPT if you were to give a rough idea of a prompt in regard to the, oh, this? You mean? Yeah, yeah. It would be simple. I'd just go out and have the conversation. I'd say, "Tell me about." I would find the market, whatever the market is. Right? Let's call it yeah, fitness for easy. What is it that people don't want when it comes to fitness? And I have no idea what it would bring up, but it would be a beginning spot, right? And it's simple prompting. And then I would prompt chain or prompt stack. And I would ask one question after the other once it gave me a result. And then it just helps the ideation. It helps you get those research thoughts going, right? And of course, you can still do Amazon mining and and look up fitness books and find out what the customers are saying and so this is why the deep dive research is called deep dive instead of shallow dive. It, it takes mm-hmm. a minute to pull it together. Would, mine is still more manual and a little bit more intuitive. Still do the deep dive research. I'm connecting. Generally, like at least at Tier 11 when we're writing copy, we already have an offer and a product that we have to sell. So I'm connecting backwards between what are all the potential problems that this product can solve? What are those potential pain points? How does that connect to the avatar? I'm doing research on like Reddit and Quora and getting human language and mostly like how are people expressing their day in the life, how they're consuming products, how they're experiencing the problem, what frustrations they have about solutions they're trying. And then honestly, sometimes I'm like, and John Carlton actually talked about this, John Carlton, Kevin Rogers. I will sometimes just sit, try to sit in the body or the mind of the person I'm doing research on and thinking about, obviously, after I do research, right? What is their job? What are they doing? What is, who is the avatar? But after that, it's, I'm sitting, I'm thinking about if they were sitting in front of me, what would they say? Or if I'm in their life, what is my life like? What kind of, what kind of things am I experiencing? What kind of pain points? And really just try to feel it, which again, super intuitive, not something (laughs) that can be like automated and more psychically connecting to the avatar, which again, I'm a weird copywriter, but hey, John Carlton does it. Can't go wrong. Oh, you can't. 
This is something that I saw from uh, Charlie the Disruptor. Basically, what he does, and what's worked pretty well for us, is he'll take a YouTube video, and you, if you have the OpenAI Playground, you can upload a video there, and it'll transcribe it. You take that transcription and go to ChatGPT and ask it to write 10 headlines for you. And this is, you could do that for both organic social and for ads. So if you want to write ad headlines, you tell ad headlines and ad copy to go along with that video. So that's kind of like a basic workflow for taking videos that you already have and creating ad copy and descriptions for, and then starting to get into a little bit more like out there stuff. So we've been pretty successful with some personal injury lawyers and we're leaning into that with our marketing. And one of the things I've been really doing is taking a lot of our research and using ChatGPT as kind of my writing partner, research partner, finding a few different like marketing frameworks, customer journey, and then working back and forth with ChatGPT to fill out all those different squares. And then also using it to help like, def- define our personas and our ICPs around that product. But the thing that I'm most proud of with that is I've taken a lot of like that persona and I asked it to write a prompt that I could put into mid-journey to create a visual for that persona. We have all this random information about a persona, drop it into ChatGPT and say, hey, write a prompt. And it comes up with these interesting, here's what the TV lead lawyer would look like. And here's what the marketing manager at a law firm would look like. And it really helped us visualize those personas. Uh, what else have we been doing? You put them next to the, the our actual customers. And it's like, oh, they feel like they're at the same party. And then something else we've been messing around with is called Autopod. It's a plugin for Premiere. And basically what it'll do is it'll take uh, multiple cameras. And if you are a video editor, one of the biggest pains is editing back and forth between the different people on multiple video tracks. And this Autopod will based, it takes the video track based off the audio track and it cuts back and forth between all of them for you. And that probably saves, I don't know, half the editing time. And you can really get get into the actual content after that without having to worry about cutting back and forth between all these cameras. Yeah, I was telling Rachel about that before we jumped on here. And like, it's almost in real time too. It takes a little bit to render the files, like when once you click start or whatever. But you literally can watch your timeline get edited once the rendering's done, and it's kind of trippy, but it's pretty amazing. Like, like we were playing with that yesterday. It's a really cool tool. Yeah. What else? Oh, then I've been using it to help me write code. So one of the things I find is. In ChatGPT, it has a memory of 4,000 tokens, which is uh, like 1,200 or 12,000 words or so. Now is it the other way around? 12,000 characters. And basically, I've been trying to write a little extension to help me keep track of how long my conversation is before it starts to get amnesia, which I'm, yeah. Trying to outsmart It's not going to work. Tom's the one who's teaching the robots how to take over the world. Un- unknowingly yeah, yeah. <laughs> training your your bot <laughs> yeah no i asked it at one point it's like is this gonna help you take over the world and enslave humanity no Thanks it definitely will not do that no everything is fine tom <laughs> yeah i think stuff like chat gpt is like really pretty essential for thanks for listening to the customer acquisition show take the next step toward growing your customer base Visit tier11.com and request your customized growth plan. And remember to hit the follow button so you can be notified of future episodes.